TII item 368, October 13th, 2015, iOS 9.1 beta 5, Chipgate equals bad reporting. Welcome to Today in iPhone. Yeah, I like it a lot. Today in iPhone. Hey, Golly! Oh, yeah. My beautiful iPhone, which I never have out of my hand and that I do everything with and has become an extension of who I am. This episode of Today in iOS is brought to you by Harry's.com, where you can use promo code TII to save $5 off your first order. This episode is sponsored by Trunk Club, Right now, the entire styling service is free. Even the shipping is free. Visit trunkclub.com slash TII. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Rob, and this is Today in iOS podcast. First up, I want to thank Stacy for sending the music here in the background. Stacy wrote, Hi, Rob. I created this song called Depressed Robot Syndrome with the app Korg Gadget, and the track was mastered with AudioShare. This is from my album Space Age Sonic Goodness, where all the songs were created on an iOS device. You can find my music by searching for Spectral Sevenths, two words in Spotify, regards Stacy P. Thanks, Stacy, for the music, and folks, I'll put the full song at the end of the episode. I also want to thank Abdel for sending in the artwork for today's show. Abdel wrote the following. Hi, Rob, I created this image using the iPhone 5S. I used Gradient to create the background and then photo lettering to add the TII branding. Best regards. Abdel or Reitz. Thanks, Abdel, for sending in this artwork. And folks, you can see Abdel's artwork in the free TI app via the bonus button for episode 368 or at Instagram.com slash Today in iOS and also as a standalone post in the VIP section and at Facebook.com slash Today in iOS. If you have some artwork and or music you have created on your iOS device that you would like to share with the audience, please email it to me at todayinios at gmail.com Please make sure to include which app or apps you use to create said artwork and or music. In this segment of How Wrong Were They, we have the following quote. Quote, in the PC world, with fewer ways of differentiating HP's products from our competitors, we became number one. In the tablet world, we're going to become better than number one. We call it number one plus. Unquote. Eric Kador. Senior Vice President of Personal Systems Group, Hewlett Packard, 21st May 2011. Eric, if by OnePlus you mean somewhere in the others category, then job well done, because you're not on anyone's top five or even top ten list for top tablet manufacturers. But then maybe OnePlus was just the percentage of market share you were going for. Just saying. This week we have promo codes for the app MyOG. Here is the review from the dev. I'm here today to tell you about the new app, MyOGI, in the Apple App Store. It's M-Y-O-G. What MyOGI is, is an emoji-like creator that lets you create an emoji-like image out of virtually any photo that you take with your camera or any picture that you can copy and paste off the internet. Then you copy it into our app, take out the background, and then filter it like you would on Instagram. It's very simple to use. It cartoonizes the image and then shrinks it down, makes it just about any size that you'd like, and then you can send it in messaging. These are made in a little under a minute. Super easy, super fun, and everybody knows that we need more emojis. There's not enough of them, and now you can make just about anything you want. Go get it. Go get it in the app store right away. MyOG, thanks. Well, thanks to the devs for their review of their app, MyOG, and for sending in the promo codes to give away. 
Folks, if you would like a chance for a promo code for this app, please send an email to me at todayinios at gmail.com and put myog, M-Y-O-G, in the subject line. And if you are one that wins, you need to make me some TII-branded artwork for the show. So if you get this app, you need to create me some sort of emoji with some TII branding and send that in. A quick reminder, if you are an app dev or an iBook author, email me if you want your app or iBook featured in the promo giveaway segment for free. We just need the five promo codes or more to give away. Simply email me at todayinios at gmail.com. Please include a 60-second or less audio review of your app or iBook indicating you are the dev or author. Also, when you send in the promo codes, please make sure to let me know when they expire. I want to read a quote from Apple before we get into this next story with quotes around story. From Apple, in a statement given to TechCrunch, quote, With the Apple-designed A9 chip in your iPhone 6S or 6S Plus, you are getting the most advanced smartphone chip in the world. Every chip we ship meets Apple's highest standards for providing incredible performance and deliver great battery life regardless of the iPhone S's or 6S's capacity, color, or model. Certain manufactured lab tests which run the processor with a continuous heavy load until the battery depletes, are not representative of real-world usage, since they spend an unrealistic amount of time at the highest CPU performance state. It is a misleading way to measure real-world battery life. Our testing and customer data show the actual battery life of the iPhone 6S and iPhone 6S Plus, even taking into account variable component differences, vary within just 2-3% to of each other. Unquote. There was a point in time where people could report anything about Apple's products and Apple would not respond. That point in time is not now. Those days are over. Okay, now that we have the facts out of the way, what is the story that was running wild last week? Well, it was that if you had the Samsung processor in your iPhone 6 or 6S, it could provide anywhere from 50 minutes to an hour and 50 minutes worse battery life. And that was enough to launch the Chipgate-type articles. But see, those posts out there about the major difference in battery life, not one, not a single one of them were based on actual measurements of virgin units doing real-world testing, but rather on using an app that estimated what battery life would be. And that app, by the way, or one of them at least, was pulled by the dev when they said it had issues with the new devices and has since been put back up. Anyway, stories that you read, any stories that you read about Samsung chips being worse than the TSMC chips, yeah, not one of them are based on real-world measurements like Apple statements are. There is nothing to see here with regards to battery life. Battery life differences between the two are not a story, or more accurately, are not the story. The real story here is that Apple is using two different manufacturers for their A9 chips. And that, more than anything else, is probably how Apple has been able to keep shortages down this year at launch compared to previous years, and how they just launched in 40 new countries last week, and how they will be in over 120 countries by the end of the year. This is a good thing, not a bad thing, that Apple is able to have two manufacturers for the A9. Now, it does suck if you find out your device has Sammy inside because it feels a little like you're sleeping with the enemy. But specs-wise, it's not an issue. That all said, if you want to find out which chip you have, it is simple, kind of, sort of, once you download a free app. The app is called Lyrium 
device info light link in the show notes of course open said app once installed tap not now to close out the pop-up ad then at the bottom of the screen you will see info for the model along with an alphanumeric code the tsmc chips are for the a9 for the 6s and 6 plus are n71map and n66map respectively for the Samsung's A9s for the 6S and 6S Plus, they are N71AP and N66AP, respectively. So if you see the M in the number, it is TSMC, and if not, it is SAMI. Again, that is for the 6S and 6S Plus. There is also a good article in Wired that goes over this. The title of the article is, quote, It doesn't matter which A9 chip your iPhone has, get over it, unquote. And yep. That sums up my feelings on this as well. Look, link baiters want nothing more than there to be another Applegate with this launch. And they will trip over themselves and you to rush out articles based on nothing. Yes, BGR, I'm looking at you. That is the problem with many of these schlock tech reporting sites. And make no mistake, BGR is a schlock site with very questionable reporting. They are fine if you're looking for tutorials, but get into breaking news or rumors and their quality plummets down to digitimes levels. Now, they are not the only ones guilty of this, The Verge. Essentially, anyone reporting Chipgate as a real issue are guilty as charged. Again, this whole thing started because no one took the time to do real-world testing and they so wanted there to be an issue. Okay, soapbox I do now get down off of. Okay, I've been mentioning I would update my iPhone update sheet for a few episodes, and I'm finally ready to go over this. For those new, what I have been doing over the past few years, quite a few years, is looking at all the new features available for each new generation of iPhone, and then scoring each new feature and getting an overall upgrade score. For example, the iPhone 4 versus the 3GS had a total score of plus 30. The 4S was at plus 29. The 5 was just a plus 25, the 5S was a plus 30, the 6 and 6 Plus were a plus 24, and the new 6S and 6S Plus, surprisingly, came in much higher than I initially would have expected with a plus 33. That makes this current generation the biggest increase for any generation iPhone, at least according to my scoring system. My scoring is 100% determined by me, so yes, it's not overly scientific. It is based on a score of 1, 2, or 3. A plus one is for a minor tweak or new feature. A plus two is a new feature that is something that clearly improves over past gens and is sort of desirable, and you can mention it as a selling point. And a three is a significant change in the feature set or functionality and really helps improve UI or sellability or whatever, however you want to put it, but really something that's really you can put out there to the Android fanboys. For example, the A8 processor got a plus one, whereas the A9 gets a plus three. The performance jump we talked about on the last episode almost makes me want to give it a plus four this year, but that's not an option because I keep it in the one, two, and three. The uh, 4K video recording gets a plus three, as does video playback support, which is 4K as well. The 12 megapixel new camera, also a plus three, as is the improved five megapixel front camera for selfies. 3D Touch gets a plus three as well. Not so much for what I can do today, 
but how will be used in the future. And the semi-waterproof feature added, that gets a plus three. This will be evident to anyone that drops it in a pool or a bathtub or a urinal, and it keeps on working. The addition of the gasket and seals for the connectors is huge. No, Apple's not talking about it, but it's there, and it is a big, big upgrade, especially for anyone that has ever had an iPhone dropped in water. On the plus two side of things, there is the two gigabytes of RAM. So we've doubled the RAM from one gig to two gig. This should improve overall UI and what you can do with the iPhone. The certain apps require that as well, some of Apple's ones. Um, Live Photos gets a plus two as well, as it is a nice, unique iPhone feature. I gave Deep Trenches a plus two because once you look at some of the new photos with the 6S and 6S Plus, you realize there's some nice magic going on there. And this is a big part of that magic. It allows the extra megapixels to actually matter. And the improved LTE Wi-Fi, that gets a combined plus two. On the plus one side, we have optical video stabilization, which is just for the 6S Plus. There is also now playback zoom for video. That gets a plus one. Almost gave it a plus two, but eh, decided to stick with a plus one. Faster touch ID gets a plus one, as does tougher glass. And finally, stronger aluminum gets a plus one. Wanted to give it a plus two, but being annoyed by Ben Gators is not justification enough to bump it up to a plus two, so I left it at plus one where it probably really belongs. Overall, as I said to start, this generation of iPhones is the biggest update ever and goes along with S-level updates being better updates as we have seen and been saying on the show for a long time. If you would like to see the entire chart, including the new features added to past iPhones going back to the iPhone 4, in the TI app for episode 368, go to the bonus content and I will have in there a PDF uh, the second page has the updates with the scores. I will also have some links in the show notes to articles going over some more of the improvements and testing for the iPhone 6S and 6S Plus. But here is my overall recommendation. If you have an iPhone 5S or earlier and you are okay with going with a larger size phone, then now is the time to upgrade. The only reason not to is if you are like my wife and you want the smaller size iPhone. If you have an iPhone 6 or 6 Plus, I still find it hard to recommend an upgrade, even as great as this upgrade is, but it does make more sense to upgrade to the 6S from the 6 than it has from any other generation to the next generation upgrade. And if you are someone that's upgraded each year in the past, well, this year, well, you're probably already upgraded, so you don't need to hear any more of my recommendations there. Now, of course, we do not live in a world with just iPhones. That would be a purely utopian world. Nope, we have a little bit of a dystopian world going on with the Android devices out there. And when it comes to comparing the iPhone, we can't just compare this gen of the iPhone to the last gen of the iPhone. Nope, we also need to look how it does against those other phones. When it comes to benchmark tests, that is easy. The iPhone 6S and 6S Plus smoke toasted destroyed the competition. Not even close. Single-core speed tests for the A9 came in above 2,500. The closest Android phone was the HTC Nexus 9 coming in at 1,887. That was actually the only Android phone that came between the iPhones with the A8 processor and the A9. 
The A8 iPhones came in at over 1600. Yes, all the other Android phones tested were slower than the one-year-old iPhone 6 and 6 Plus. Next in line was the Galaxy S6 Edge at 1309. Wait a second, Rob. Last week, you said the 5S was at 1399. Ooh, good catch. So really, all the other Android phones were slower than the two-year-old iPhone 5S. Sweet. The Samsung Galaxy 6 or S6, you know, they have to steal, really invert. Anyway, the Gal- Samsung Galaxy S6 came in at 1207, and the numbers dropped from there. So looking at benchmark tests, the iPhone 6S and 6S Plus smoke and destroy all competition. We're talking shock and awe, folks. And the 6 and 6 Plus and the 5S beat everything else except the HTC Nexus 9. And I should point out, those testing was based on the more popular Android handsets. There's thousands of them out there. So I'm sure there's some others that go above those testing numbers. But from the popular Android smartphones out there, they get all got toasted. But of course, smartphone use is a lot more than just benchmark tests. There is also how people use the phone. And in reality, most often, it's as a camera. Business Insider has a nice article on how the iPhone 6S Plus did versus the Galaxy Note 5. Make sure to have your ad blocker installed before heading over to that site. So, how did it do? Quote, the iPhone 6S Plus is the new reigning champion of smartphone cameras. Many smartphones that take pictures with accurate color tend to look gloomy and dull, even in bright sunlight. But the iPhone offers an excellent balance of color accuracy and enticing brightness, unquote. And that is why Deep Trenches got a plus two. The iPhone 6S and 6S Plus are the fastest smartphones and have the best cameras. And if you are on an Android phone, then it's time to join the utopian future known as iOS. If you have an older iPhone and are on the fence about upgrading, really, the only two reasons I can give for not upgrading For those on the fence, size, that is if you want the smaller 4-inch form factor, and money, if you don't have any extra, you know, have an extra grand laying around, um, well, then wait until it's time for your carrier subsidy to kick in. That is if you even get one of those anymore. Into the email bag we go. Hi, Rob. Your show is one of my regular podcasts. I appreciate all your timely, informative subject matter. Always accurate and trusted. Best thing you do is let us know when to install upgrades. I have also found your advertisers to be what you say they are, especially Harry's. Stay well, my friend. Regards, Dave. Well, Dave, thank you for that feedback. And I want to thank Harry's for sponsoring this episode. If you go to harrys.com, that's H-A-R-R-Y-S.com, and use promo code TII, you'll save $5 on your first order. In the past, I've talked about price and convenience as factors. And well, let's throw them out at this time and just talk about performance. I was someone that use the highest dollar blades. I purchased blades like some of my ex-girlfriends used to order dinner. They'd look for the most expensive thing on the menu and buy it. And that's what I was doing with my blades. But here's the thing. None of those blades ever gave as good a shave as my Harry's blades. Nor did they last as long either. This is not luck on Harry's part. They went out and found a German blade factory that's almost 100 years old and purchased it. And by it, I mean the factory, not just the blades. Harry owns the most important part of the razor, the blade. And because of that, they can give you the best shave possible at a great, great price. 
But the quality does not stop at the blade. They also have a great shaving foam gel. Most importantly, if you look at what it's made from, you will not see industrial chemicals you can't pronounce. The ingredients include licorice root, extract, a blend of cucumber, and aloe. It's really nice to shave with something that would never have been featured in a Toxic Avenger flick. And then there is the aftershave lotion. It feels great and it smells wonderful and the ladies will definitely give you compliments. I am 100% a full-fledged Harry's customer, have been for well, well over a year now. That is my blade, my shaving gel, and my aftershave lotion. Nothing else will touch my head or face. And once again, go to harrys.com now and save $5 off when you enter the code TII with your first purchase. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S dot com and enter the coupon code TII at checkout to save $5 on your first purchase and start shaving better today. Well, or at least as soon as your new shave kit arrives at your doorstep. Isn't that convenient? Hi, Rob. This is uh, Tom from Yucaipa, California, also a blind iPhone user. I've been using iPhones since, uh, I guess, the 3GS. I think that's what it was when they first came out with uh, voiceover. Anyway, I was calling about the guy in Arizona. I think it was Tempe, Arizona, who was having a problem with speech on several of the updates. I agree the updates are a little wonky sometimes, but, you know, we have to deal with it. And it's not, for me anyway, it hasn't been that bad. It hasn't never been crucial. Just a few quirky things that everybody else is having too until they fix those, and they usually do. But he mentioned specifically not having speech after ending a phone call. I did have that problem on one of my older phones. I, I forget which one it was. Sometimes if you have the phone up to your ear and you pull the phone away and do a two-finger double tap to hang up, which is how voiceover users hang up the phone, sometimes the sensor wouldn't realize quick enough that you were pulling it away from your ear. And then when you double tap, it would stop the speech as well for a while. What I do normally when I'm on a phone call and I want to hang up to end the phone call, I just tap the power button. It stops, the, it stops the phone call immediately. You don't have to search for the end call or do the two-finger double tap. It just stops the phone call, ends it, and then your screen is locked. So you just you know turn it back on, unlock it with your touch ID or whatever, and good to go. So that's how it works for me. Hopefully, he sounded pretty savvy. Maybe he, that's not his issue. But anybody else who might be having that, do that. Just do the power button to end your phone call, and everything's good to go. Thanks. Tom, thanks for the feedback. And one thing we should clarify there, when Tom says hit the power button, not when it's up against your ear. If you hit the power button when it's up against your ear, it will not hang up. It's once you move it away from your ear, then you hit the power button, then it'll hang up. But if you hit the power button when it's up against your ear and up against your cheek, and it gets that sensor reading that it's up there and the screen's shut down, hitting the power button doesn't do anything. Once you pull it away from your head and then hit the power button, it will then end the call. Into the email bag. Hi, Rob. I heard Kobe mentioned that since he had upgraded to iOS 9.1 Beta 1, he now has to enter a six-digit passcode. I, too, had this on my new iPhone 6S Plus and also on my son's iPhone 6 after a restore of his data from his iPhone 5S. But if you go into Touch ID and Passcode and opt to change your passcode, enter in your current passcode, it will then ask you to set a new passcode, but will also give an option of passcode options at the bottom of the screen. So if you select that, you can then change the passcode back to a four-digit passcode. Hope that helps. Regards, Mark Trissy, West Midlands, UK. 
Mark, thank you very much for that feedback. Hi, Rob. In item 367 at the one hour and 45 second mark, you read an email from Dan in Vancouver indicating two issues with iOS 9. The first was with texting where the field in which you would normally type a message would become populated with a prompt to record a spoken message with no apparent way to dismiss it. I have a 6 plus and my wife has a 5 and we both were experiencing this after we installed iOS 9 and the only way I found to temporarily fix it was to force quit the text app and reopen it. I have since upgraded to iOS 9.0.2 on my 6 plus and the issue is still there. In both cases, it happens randomly. If anyone knows a fix, please share it. Regards, Steve in Texas. Folks, as always, if you have some answers and help that you can give to someone here that you hear on the show, give us a call, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOONDOG. Or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Back to the email bag. Hi, Rob. How do you get the podcast app to automatically download in the background? Regards, Conrad. Hello, Conrad. Go to Settings, Podcasts, Turn on Background App Refresh. Also, they may there may be a bug with the podcast app, so while you are there, turn off Delete Played Episodes, as it may be deleting just slightly played episodes or episodes downloading while listening to others. Here is an email I received on this. Hi, Rob. While downloading episode 367 via cellular data, I decided to finish listening to episode 366. Um, the download progressed fine, and upon reaching the end of episode 366, the podcast app marked both episodes as played episodes and deleted them. I had not even touched the play button for episode 367, so it seems we might have another bug. Maybe listeners can chime in if they have experienced the same. Regards, Paul G. in Lawrenceville. Thanks, Paul. And back to Conrad, I should also mention... Also make sure that you have download on Wi-Fi enabled and download on cellular enabled if you want it to do in the background. And if you don't want it to download with Wi-Fi or cellular, make sure you turn that off. Hey, Rob. This is Raj. I'm calling in uh, about the caller on your last episode that had an issue with losing all their notes when they got a new phone and uh, signed into iCloud. This happened to my wife, and basically we uh, she got a new phone signed into iCloud with her Apple ID only to find there were no notes and it took us uh, a little while to realize that there are actually two iCloud Apple IDs. One is your original Apple ID and one is the one they make you create when you sign up for iCloud which is the set, usually your username and iCloud.com so uh, we ended up logging out of iCloud and logging back in with that address and all of our notes popped up. Just give it a try. Thanks. Raj, thanks for that feedback. We are now well over 2,500 members in our Google Plus community and growing. Thanks to everyone that has joined and thanks for the great posts. One new post in the Google Plus community that went up since the last episode came from Kent Kersey, who posted the following question, quote, does anyone know of an easy way to see which songs, albums you have downloaded to your iPhone on Apple Music? Unquote. And Mark Lobart wrote in and answered, where to find that. And first, what you need to do is open the music app. Next, at the bottom, select My Music. Then, in the middle of the screen, look for the red text. It might say artists or albums or songs or genres or composers, depending on what you've had it set to. 
tap on that and you'll get a pop-up with those options listed to choose from. Select songs. That will enclose the pop-up. Next, tap on songs again. And then at the bottom of the pop-up, select the toggle switch, only offline music. Turn that on. And that should close the pop-up. That will then list just the music you have on your iOS device. Obviously, this is going to be a nice needed feature and understanding of how to do that if you were someone that had Apple Music and no longer are paying for it or didn't decide to pay for it. So now you kind of want to know what's actually on your device. So again, check that out. Rewind this a minute and a half and re-listen if you didn't catch it the first time through. Since the last episode, there were also dozens and dozens of other new posts and comments in the TI Google Plus community which is an Android fanboys free zone and spammer free zone. Yep, it is the most civil Google Plus community covering iOS. Folks, go to todayinios.com slash community to join in. And thanks to all 2,500 plus of you already in the community and contributing. Also from the Google Plus community was this post from Faisal Kailani, who linked to an article, this per Apple releasing the A1633 iPhone 6S, which is Apple's unlock SIM-free, not for any specific carrier, world phone. This is now the answer to the question on which iPhone should I get if I want one unlocked? And the A1634 is the 6 Plus, or 6S Plus version, I should say. There was also a nice post over on Redmond Pi that goes over the differences, or difference, between the A1633 and 34 versus the other iPhones especially with regards to the T-Mobile unlock phone and the Verizon one. The new ones have more, one more band for LTE, band 30, which is not available for the T-Mobile phones or the Verizon phones. In the U.S., for example, when you go online to buy an iPhone, you will now see the following options for carrier, AT&T, Sprint, T-Mobile, Verizon, and now SIM-free. Delivery of the 6 Plus, a 6S Plus, Rose Gold SIM-free for 128 gigabytes is listed as two to three weeks. Looks like it's one to two weeks for the other options for the SIM-free. I think it's pretty self-explanatory, but when you buy an iPhone that is, quote, SIM-free, unquote, it is exactly what you get, an iPhone with no SIM card. But really, it comes down to if you want an iPhone, no strings attached, and will work in more places worldwide than any other phone, the A1633 and A1634 are the phones you are looking for. Again, just choose the SIM-free option. And pretty surprising to see this already on sale in the U.S. just less than a month after launch. Note, this does not mean they will work in China. They have a different system altogether there. But they should work globally everywhere except China. I should also welcome the following countries to the iPhone 6S and 6S Plus party as they all started getting the new iPhones on October 9th, and they are Andorra, Austria, Belgium, Bosnia, Bulgaria, Croatia, Czech Republic, Denmark, Dorn, Estonia, Finland, Greece, Greenland, Harrenhal, Hungary, Iceland, Ireland, Isle of Man, Italy, Latvia, Liechtenstein, Lithuania, Luxembourg, Maldives, Mexico, Monaco, Netherlands, Norway, Poland, Portugal, Romania, Russia, Slovakia, Slovenia, Spain, Sweden, Switzerland, and Taiwan. Whew, one breath. But remember, if you are looking for a world phone, 
the SIM-free version is the one to go with. Apple seems to be keeping up with its rapid release of the betas, with iOS 9.1 Beta 5 now available as of Monday, October 12th. It looks like the full release of 9.1 is on schedule for later this month. We know it is scheduled for later this month as 9.1 is needed to set up Apple TV from an iOS device. So you kind of have to have that for the Apple TV to come out. Changes this time around seem to be new emojis because evidently Apple thinks we can't get enough of them. New wallpapers, developer support for live photos, and iPad Pro slash Apple Pencil compatibility but not sure how anyone can actually prove that last one since neither device is out. There is also the so-called stability speed improvements, which I think is just generic template placeholder for the second betas and later. Here's a strange one, and have not heard of any listeners with this problem. It comes from msn.com, and the post is titled iPhone 6S Users Report Boiling Hot Home Buttons. And well, you guessed it, it's about users reporting Touch ID that is too hot to touch. Not 3D touch, but 3-alarm touch. This is according to some on Apple's support forums, and it's just the Touch ID that's getting hot. And if they held down the home button and power buttons together for around 10 seconds, after the phone restarted, all the functionality, everything would function well again. Which I find interesting, because the same ones saying the home button was too hot to touch are the same ones saying if you hold it down and the power button down for 10 seconds, the problem goes away once it reboots. Either that or all the nerves in their fingers are dead and they can't tell it's hot anymore. One or the other. That all said, as I mentioned, I have not heard of this issue from any listeners. If anyone had a hot home button on their iPhone 6S or 6S Plus, let me know. And let me know if powering it down and back up solved the issue. And by the way, if you do get this issue and you don't want to hold your finger down on a hot button, try doing the reset, reset network settings, and that will reboot the phone and see if that fixes the issue. Marco Ment, the developer of Overcast, is doing something interesting. He is making the Overcast app free, as in completely free. But Rob, you say, it was already free. Yes, but many, or the best features, I should say, were locked behind the in-app purchase. Not anymore. Now all the features are unlocked and free. No more in-app purchase. Marco is trying a new model where he asks for some donations instead. So yes, his smart speed and voice boost feature are all unlocked now. There are 3D touch shortcuts and of course the Apple Watch app support. There is a play next by priority feature, which is nice for those that, well, like this show, <laughs> make uh, today in iOS a priority. And when a new episode comes out, which as you know, can be any day of the week, uh, then the new episode of TI moves to the top of the list. So that's nice for those that have shows they like, like ours that aren't as regular as others. This is uh, Overcast version 2.0 as well. Uh, so there are new features, especially with regards to streaming content, plus lots of improvements to the app. The thing I like about Overcast most is that the features are with you, the consumer, in mind and focused on helping it make it easier for you to consume the content you know you want to consume. Not trying to force content on you that you never heard of or never asked for, but allowing you to consume what you want when you want it. So if you have lots of podcasts you listen to and you have not checked out Overcast yet or recently, now is a good time to do so. Again, it is completely free. 
If you are using the Overcast app, make sure to recommend the Today in iOS podcast once you get in there and click that little I for the episode. So if you like the episode, click the little I and then recommend this episode. Here's a fun little Android article. It appears to hack an Android phone. You just type in a really, really long password. This is one of the oldest hacks in the book. It's called an overflow error hack. And with Android devices running the latest version of Android, Lollipop, yes, it is vulnerable to this, hey, password is not the password. What should we try next type hack? Once you um, overwhelm the device with too many characters, it crashes to the home, the open home screen. According to Google, someone that has your phone and does this can, quote, view contact data, phone logs, SMS messages, and other data that is normally protected, unquote. Yeah, so you know, nothing major or anything. Google did release a patch for this back in September, mid-September, which means most Android devices will be getting that patch, um, oh, let's think. Oh, yeah, never. But the ones that do, it'll probably be sometime in 2016 at best before they see it. Just saying. One of our sponsors today is Trunk Club. Visit trunkclub.com slash TII. Trunk Club takes the hassle out of clothes shopping. What Trunk Club does is a few things. First, they ask you what your style is, what type fit you like, what your sizes are. And then they put you in contact with a personal stylist. Mine is Mary. Hello, Mary. Then you talk and discuss what kind of clothes you are looking for. Pants or shirts or jackets or belts or shoes or more or a combination thereof. And then you get a trunk sent out to you full of clothes that fit perfectly, look great, that you get to try on on your own, in your house, no rush, no pressure, no hidden cameras in the, in the uh, changing room. You get to walk around where you get a real feel for the clothes. I had three different sports coats slash blazers sent in my trunk. All of them looked great and were, of course, from the best brands. I then went and tried those on with my different shirts and pants that I already owned. I then was easily able to figure out the one that worked best with what I already had and also was different from what I already owned. So now I have a great new sports coat that really complements what I already owned. I did wear that sports coat at the online learning conference last week. Yes, I am officially a Trunk Club customer and it could not have been any easier I've worn it to the last three shows I've gone to that I've attended, and every time I have received unsolicited and very positive comments about the sports coat. Winner! One thing I really liked about the Trunk Club experience is that I was able to try on the different items and see how they did or did not differ from what I already owned, which was nice as it helps to keep you from buying duplicates. You simply put items back in the trunk you don't want. You keep what you like, Send back the rest, and there's no pressure to keep anything. No one looking at you as you put the items back in the trunk. Folks, this is not a subscription service. You only get the trunks you ask for. When you're done, they already have included the return shipping label and tape for the trunk, and they give you a number to call for quick and easy pickup by UPS. All this can be done without stepping outside your house. Right now, the entire styling service is free. Even the shipping is free. You only pay for the clothes you keep. To take advantage, go right now to trunkclub.com slash TII. Again, that's trunkclub.com slash TII for a trunk filled with great looking and fitting clothes that you are going to love wearing. Thanks, Trunk Club, for supporting this show and for helping me look snappy at the online learning conference. Hey, Bob, this is Tyrone from Boston, California. I was calling to um, talk about 
talk about the deep touch, the 3D touch option they have on there. I think there's a way to do that for non-haptic phones or non-S version phones. If you just do a, a hold on there on the app, and then they, instead of it going to wiggle mode, the options pop up, and then maybe you hold it longer than it goes into wiggle mode. Or even better yet, you just hold on the app, the options come up, and then to the right, there'll be an option to put it in the wiggle mode. So you don't have to wait too much longer or do anything else, but just a long touch on there should bring up those options. I don't know. That's just something I think they could do to <clears throat> have some of that capability go to the other phones that are that are not the S versions. Uh, just let me know what you think. Have a good day. Thanks for the show. Keep up the good work. Hey, Rowan, I think that would be great. I don't think we're going to see it because I think Apple's going to be pushing the hardware feature for touch, I you know, 3D touch. And it is a little bit more than that. Again, there is some haptic feedback, so... We're not going to see it, but yeah, it would be nice. And don't be surprised if you see some sort of jailbreak tweak or something like that that comes along in the future to allow you to use some of the apps with 3D Touch on a non-3D Touch phone. But officially from Apple, I don't see them ever doing that. Hi, Rob. Jonathan from New Orleans. I've got a few questions for you. One, how long does it usually take for you to make one of these podcasts? and how much pre-planning is included in that, and I guess post-production. So really, how much time would you estimate an episode takes from beginning to end to make? Secondly, what happens if a message, a voicemail is sent in the week before a keynote, and because of all the stuff surrounding a keynote, it gets neglected and never sees the light of day? I'm asking because this happened to me. No hard feelings, just curious. And my last question is iOS related. I'm running iOS 9.0.1 because I haven't had a chance to update to 9.0.2. And I have one app that just does not want to finish updating, and I can't delete it either. The TV Guide app. No idea why. I barely ever use it, but it's been hung up at about two-thirds of the way done for a couple weeks now. Anyway, hope this one makes it onto the show. Take it easy. Hi, right, Jonathan. First off, the best thing you can do right now, since you're at 9.0.1, is, is go to 9.0.2. And the best thing before you do that is force quit all open apps, go to settings, then reset, reset network settings, and do that. Um, after it gets done resetting, reconnect your Wi-Fi, and then do the update to 9.0.2. Then go in, and the items that were having a problem downloading, they should be fixed at that point. They should you know, should be able to hit update all, and they should all download. Uh, 9.0.2 should have fixed that issue. So that takes care of that one. That's easy. Per the show and how long it takes me, it takes at least 20 hours a week to get this show produced from everything I do, from beginning, prep work, all the way through to the end and upload and finish up show notes. That's 20 hours a week spent answering and sorting through emails and voicemails. I do look at them all. I spend a good amount of time reading articles and researching for the episode. And it takes about six hours min to get all the show notes done. The actual recording takes about one hour for every 20 minutes of episode. The typical evening that I record an episode, it's over four hours for the recording, editing, exporting, encoding, show notes, creation, and publishing, and then that includes the uploading and making sure everything's out to all the different places. For example, tonight I started recording at 10.30 p.m. Central Time, and right now we are 
43 minutes into the show, and it's about 12.30 um, a.m., so, you know, right at the 20 minutes per hour. So on schedule, I'm a little bit, actually three minutes above, better. So doing good tonight. Per voicemail messages, I have a folder I move all of them into, and then I pull them out. Usually what is the most recent in is the first one out. That that keeps them fresher, um, but it also means if I fall behind and, and your recording doesn't make it on right away within the last three episodes, chances are it won't make it on, well, at least until we get to the quiet period between New Year's and WWDC when the number of voicemail messages tends to drop, and then I go back and look through <laughs> the older folders. Um, right now, I went and looked in the folder today. There are over 1,200 voicemail messages in that folder that have never made it onto the show. Um, that does not count the much, much greater number of emails that have never made it onto the show. So today, I'm going to make the rest of this episode all about listener feedback. No more news, just listener feedback with most of those being, or the vast majority of that being voicemail messages. I'm not going to get to all of the ones that have come out in the last five weeks, but I'm going to get to many of the ones that have come in in the last five weeks, and the five weeks being since the, the new iPhones were announced. By doing that, it's going to help clear the way for future feedback about the new Apple TV and the iPad Pro and the Apple Pencil and the new keyboard case, all of which will be coming out late October to late November. The rest of this episode, again, is going to be voicemails that came in since the iPhone 6S and 6S Plus were announced and up until this afternoon when I before I started recording, which was October 12th. So essentially, all from the last past five weeks, but I'm not going to get to all of them. Uh, that's just where they're coming from. And if I get to 90 minutes into the episode, uh, before I get to the outro, that's when I'm going to close it down for this week, and then I'll get to some of the others next week. So let's get into some of the voicemail. Hey, Rob, this is Scott in Wimberley, Texas. I'm calling about a problem I'm having with my phone, and the problem is auto-playing music when connected to my car stereo with Bluetooth. I have an iPhone 6, I have 901.2.02, and whenever I'm getting in the car, it connects to Bluetooth, music autoplays. If I am listening to your podcast, for example, I receive a phone call, I answer it hands-free, I hang up, the music autoplays. Basically, anytime it stops doing whatever it's doing, I change apps, turn something off, music autoplays. Very frustrating. If anybody has a solution to make the music app stop auto-playing when connected to Bluetooth in the car, I would greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for your show. Really love it. Thanks a lot. Bye. Folks, if you can help Scott out, give us a call. 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Remember, voicemail messages have priority over emails. Or email the show today in iOS at gmail.com. Hi, Rob. This is Dave from San Anselmo, California. I'm calling with a potential troubleshooting issue. I have a, uh, an iPhone 6S that I just purchased and was having a very hard time getting reception uh, on my telephone calls. Everything would break up from places I consistently uh, was able to talk well with on my 5S. My wife has a 6, and I tried it with the same locations, and hers worked fine. So with a little research, I was able to determine that 
when LTE voice and data are on, it requires more signal to keep the phone constant. So by switching to just data, the phone worked as good as the others. I instantly watched it go from two bars to three bars or from one bar to two bars, depending on which part of the house I was in. So I just thought your readers or your listeners might really in, in gain a lot of time by not having the frustration of having to call Verizon or whoever they're with. So just thought you could use that. Thanks. Bye. Dave, thanks for the heads up. And folks, where you'd make that change is you go to settings, then go to cellular, and then go to enable LTE and change it from voice and data to data only. And I'm going to see how that goes because I'm going to make that change myself on my phone. Actually, I just did because I've been having drop calls the last couple weeks. And uh, let's see what happens. Into the email bag. I had one of these sitting around. All right. Just thought I'd write in and mention that you can probably say H-E-Y Siri without spelling it out for two reasons. One, the voice training feature seems to be working very well. I tried this with my wife and Siri, and, and Siri wouldn't activate on my phone unless I asked. And two, I believe the feature is disabled when playing audio, as when connected via Bluetooth to the sync in my Ford. I can't get it to activate when audio is playing, but it works fine when I pause the stream. Really digging my new 6S Plus, here are a couple of tricks I've discovered. On a 6S or 6S Plus on iOS 9, 3D touch and hold the keyboard to enable a trackpad to move the cursor while typing, similar to two-finger drag on the iPad. Also, I noticed in iOS 9 with the screen locked, plugging in a headphone jack now turns the lock screen with a slider icon for the music app in the lower left similar to the fashion used by the handoff feature. You can slide up to launch into that app. Thanks for the show, Rob. Regards, Lou V. Well, Lou, thanks for that heads up there and that tip. And Lou, the reason I don't say H-E-Y, Siri, is because some people are listening on their computer. So they're listening on their computer with their phone next to the computer, and that's when it picks it up. Hi, Rob. This is Nick, long-time listener of the show. I called to say that I got my iPhone 6 from the UPS man today. I got in the house. I got excited, and the box was such that it, the suction made me pull hard, and as I pulled hard, it separated quickly, and the phone flew out and hit the floor. Luckily, it was on carpet, and it was unharmed, but I just thought I should throw that out to anyone else wanting to open the box up, do it close to the floor or something like that. All right. Thanks a lot, Rob. Bye. Nick, that is a great warning, folks. Whenever you open any of the Apple products, open them low, open them around pillows, open them on the carpeted floors, sit down on the floor. Don't be opening over tile floor up in the counter because I've had that happen too before where trying to open it up and the device flies out of the box. So yeah, definitely, Nick, great advice there, folks, when you're opening it up, especially since you're nervous when you're first opening it up and the thing can go flying. Do it in a very well-protected area. Hey, Rob, it's Kevin Crossman from Fremont, California. On the last show, I caller called in to ask about the new iPhones and whether the dimensions of the phones were larger and best requiring you to get new cases. And your answer was accurate to the degree that you said that, yes, the phones are, what, one one-hundredth of an inch taller, wider, deeper, all that sort of thing, which is true. But that doesn't mean that your cases are going to not work anymore. I'm sure there are some cases, but for the most part, these cases that you have for your 6 are going to work just fine on the 6 Plus and 6S and all et cetera. That's the uh, story. 
Anyway, love the show. Bye. Hi, Rob. This is Luis from Doha. Uh, I just want to give a heads up on an issue I have I had with the iOS 9. After the update, iPhone 5S, Siri was not working properly. Uh, it would not, uh, I would give it, I would have an answer from uh, from her. The, the written part is right on display, all the answers, and would just stay quiet. So I could not never hear her voice. I Googled for it, and uh, I found out that I'm not the only one uh, having this kind of problem. I think in the U.S. you guys are not having that problem because once you change the default language to English, American English, things work fine. But if you select another language, like uh, mine, which is uh, Portuguese from Brazil, Siri just uh, it doesn't work. Actually, just uh, write the answer on the display, but uh, she she doesn't say anything. So the only way I found out that I can uh, fix this was going uh, to settings, general. And then reset, and uh, reset the the device. Of course, I'm going to lose all my uh, passwords and uh, most of the settings. But that's the only way I could uh, recover the CD voice. Once I did that, the device was working fine. That was an uh, iPhone 5S, and uh, there are people complaining about that. But once again, as I said, probably guys on the US uh, won't have this problem because uh, even with this change back to American uh, English, things work just fine. It happens only if you, even if it's Australia or uh, UK, I see people complain about that. So uh, after the update, if you're having this problem, uh, a uh, device reset should uh, should work for you. Just go to the settings, general, reset, and then the reset device. You don't you don't need to clear all your data. Just the, the, the I think it's the first option on the on the top of the menu. The simple reset. Okay. Uh, hi, Rob. This is Louis again. I just want to make sure I gave you the the right uh, reset that should be performed with the Siri problem. It's actually general. Scroll down, go to reset, and it's the first one. Reset all settings. That's the one you should perform to recover uh, Siri audio. If you're not using uh, American English, any other language, if people are having issue. Just uh, reset all settings, and then uh, should be fine. Thank you. Hey, Rob. It's Kevin Crossman from Fremont, California. I settled on one blocker as my content ad blocker of choice. The fact that it does not block the deck ads, I view it as a plus, not a minus. I feel like I'm not opposed to ads in general, but you know, like you were mentioning, all the popovers and pop-unders, and if it goes from 5 seconds to 25 or 30 seconds to load, then yeah, I'm going to drop those ads. But if in the case of Daring Fireball, the ads take up less than a second on, the, on a 2-second page load, well, yeah, I'm really not opposed to that. Thanks for the coverage. Thanks. Hi, Rob. This is Robert from San Diego. I found out something interesting on my Apple Watch. If you ask Siri on the watch, how warm is it outside? One kind of temperature is displayed on the watch. And if you ask Siri, how hot is it outside? A different format for the temperature is displayed. I thought that was really interesting. Thanks. Rob, good afternoon. This is Steve in Los Angeles. I have a question on the notification bar for you or the listeners. In recent versions of iOS, we could limit the number of notifications that showed up in the notification center. I think it was from five down to one, and I don't see that anymore in iOS 9. Has that been taken out? Did they move that feature, or is there a workaround? Please let me know. Thanks, Rob. Take care. 
Steve. Thanks for the voicemail message and everyone else whose voicemail messages were in there. Thanks for yours and feedback. Uh, to answer your question, Steve, I can't. So I'm going to throw it out to the audience because I know what you're talking about, but I can't find that limit anymore. So it does appear in iOS 9. The limit for the number of notifications is gone. Uh, at least I couldn't find it either. But if anyone does know where that limit number is to limit the number of notification items in notifications, let us know, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOONDOG. Or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Hey, Rob. This is Hector from Miami, Florida. Calling with a question. I'm not sure if um, you, somebody can help me out with this one. We're going to have a Halloween party here coming up in a couple of weeks. And I want my iPad to be like the center of, you know, the entertainment center, like basically connected via Bluetooth to my stereo. The question is, my iPad is connected with my iPhone in the sense where you could see my my text messages and my emails and all that stuff. Is there some sort of safe mode or something where I can leave it there and just anybody can randomly come use it, but yet not have access to my things that are coming in? You know, this party might last four or five hours and... You know, I'm probably going to leave it there overnight, and I'm just concerned with, you know, privacy or whatever. I'm still running iOS 8 on both the phone and the pad. Uh, I don't know if iOS 9 maybe has something like that. Definitely, I'm going to do the upgrade anyway, but I'm just curious. Any help, that would be appreciated. And thanks a lot, Rob. Thanks for you, do. Bye. Hi, Hector. This is actually an easy one. Go to Settings app, General, Accessibility, then go to Guided access. That, so scroll all the way down until you find guided access. At least in iOS 9, it's down near the bottom under learning. I can't remember. I think it was the same area for iOS 8. But go to guided access, turn on guided access, then go into your music app and you triple click the home button and that puts it in guided access mode, which means it's locked into that app and people can't leave that app. So you just open up the music app and it allows them to use a music app, but they can't use anything else on your iOS device. So again, go to Settings, General, Accessibility, Guided Access, turn it on, and then when you're ready to go, triple tap on that home button while you have the music app open, and it will lock it down to that app, and you can set it up so that you, if you have Touch ID on that iPad, only Touch ID will allow you to unlock it, or you can have a passcode so that you need a passcode to get out of it. Again, Vermont. I have a calling with a question. I was using the Facebook app earlier today, talking with a friend of mine, and we got done the conversation. And about an hour later, I got messages on my phone sending the same messages that, that she had sent me about an hour before. But when I would go into the inbox, there was nothing there. I was just getting the alerts on my phone. The sound, that little ping sound, would come in as if she was sending me another message. But when I would go into the inbox, there was nothing there. I was giving me actual just alerts, and every message that she had sent me was coming through again. And I messaged, I texted a friend of mine and asked him if he was experiencing the same thing. He said yes. So I'm just calling to see if anybody out there is experiencing this. There was an update for a messenger app on Facebook, but there was no bug fiction. And I haven't messaged anybody since, so I don't know if it's still going on. So if anybody out there is having this issue and find a fix for it, please let me know. Thanks for what you do, Rob. Great show. Bye-bye now. I'm going to throw that one out to the audience. If anyone can help Aaron, give us a call or shoot us an email. Hey, Rob. Uh, this is a question regarding my iPhone. I'm having an issue with all of a sudden. I haven't updated to iOS 9 or anything like that, but all of a sudden I have two iPhones 
and I'm getting missed call or the last call on two iPhones that's on the same Apple ID, and I don't know why they are showing me missed call on two separate phones with two different numbers, but I use the same Apple ID. So when I look at either phone, I don't know what phone I missed a call on, phone A or phone B, and I was wondering if you can help me out with that. I have the connectivity thing turned off on both phones, and I'm just, when when they're, and I have the Wi-Fi calling thing turned off, and my call logs are showing up on either phone, and I can't tell whether it's A phone or B phone that the calls are coming in from. Only on missed calls or calls going out, that kind of thing. All right, thanks. At this point, I do have to say, if you're at iOS 8.anything and you're having issues, update to iOS 9.0.2. Now's the time. You can go ahead. The only reason would be is if you need VPN services for work. But outside of that, now's a good time to update to iOS 9.0.2 if you're having issues. Once you do that, let me know if you're still having issues. Hey there, Rob. It's Joe from Miami Calling. I have two things. Number one... I suggest that you throw it out there to all your listeners like myself who really love your podcast to uh, throw a few bones your way so you can get a new iPad Pro with the pencil so that you can uh, work on it and figure out all the tips and tricks and then pass those along to us. We really look to you for tips and tricks. And my second reason for calling is a couple of my experience in iOS 9 update and a couple of uh, tricks that iOS 9 gives which are really handy for me. My experience with iOS 9 update, I did do the OTA update on the day uh, against your wishes, but everything went fine. It actually started, uh, downloaded pretty quickly. This is on an iOS, uh, I'm sorry, it's on an iPhone 6 Plus. Got the status bar that it was updating, got to the end, it rebooted, then I got another status bar, which wasn't moving. And that stayed on that screen for a long time, probably 15, 20 minutes. I plugged it into my Mac, it didn't change. I was getting ready to do a hard reset, and it just rebooted on its own all of a sudden, and everything's been fine ever since. It's working great. There's one thing that iOS 9 does, which I love. I usually use a Bluetooth headset, and every time when I would make a call, it was dicey if the phone would go to the Bluetooth headset or if it would go to the phone. Now, every time I make a call with a Bluetooth headset hooked up, and sometimes there are two, for instance, when I'm in my car, I also have a, a one that fits on my head, it pops right up automatically to the screen where I can select which device I want to send the sound to. So it's a real nice little feature, and uh, it actually saves me fooling around with the phone and getting to that screen. That's it, Rob. Love the show. Long-time listener. Keep it up. We really love it. Bye for now. Joe, thanks for the kind words and for the tip and for the mention of donations for the iPad Pro and Apple Pen and the keyboard. And I want to thank Michael M., Henrik B. and Daniel W. for their kind donations to the show last week, which folks, if you would like to help out, you can do by clicking on the donate button in the lower right-hand side of our site over at todayinios.com. Thanks to all that have donated to the show. Hey Rob, it's Ken from South Jersey. I think all the new Apple products are great. I'm not exactly what I'm calling. So um, the 12 megapixel camera change, I... My paradigm for Apple is that they do very little out of greed, if anything, and do very little out of 
sort of a negative ulterior motive. They may have motives that they do not share publicly, but um, to think that they're doing something. So, you know, you talked about the 12 megapixel camera, and I know you're on a public show and it's hard because you get feedback that can be uh, critical, but I, I just want to share how I think about Apple. So, um, so they took their knocks for an 8 megapixel camera. They probably lost sales uh, to other uh, phones, but I think they've been the purest and best camera uh, of all the mobile phones. Um, they don't over brighten images to make it look like they get good low light images, so they're very patient about getting high quality low light images out there. They didn't up the megapixels at the sacrifice of picture quality. So even though they are advertising 12 megapixels because people are waiting for that number to go up for them, they took their knocks and they're very patient in terms of um, taking public criticism about the, the lack of megapixels in the camera until they felt like they could, they could put out the best possible product. And when they say they want to create the best possible products, I believe them and I believe that that's their motive. And you know, Steve said that's maybe that's why we lost the desktop wars because we didn't believe we were in a war. We were just trying to make the best computers possible. So I really still feel like their motives are uh, much, much, much more pure and toward the uh, toward the explicit thing that they say. We're just trying to create great products here. Do they make mistakes? Yeah. And Steve has said, "Listen, we're just people managing this company." Um, I think it was a political satirist app got rejected from the App Store, and Walt Mossberg brought it up, and he's like, hey, you know, first of all, we let it back in the App Store before the story went public. Uh, second is, the guy didn't complain, uh, but appealed to Apple, and they re-looked at it, and they said, well, this isn't, um, uh, what do they do? They, they don't allow apps in the store that um, not degrade people, I forget what the word is, but um, it's not a lot, slander, I guess, was maybe the word, but so, you know, they made a mistake, they fixed the mistake, and they moved on. But it's not like Apple sitting there um, arbitrarily rejecting apps, etc., etc. And people uh, infer motives into Apple that just do not apply to them. And people don't realize that they are much, much different than almost every other company in the world. And there's very few that can um, sort of say that they... They do things not for money, but for uh, to make the best product possible, and that money and these other things are a byproduct, and that they'll stick to their guns in terms of what they're going to deliver um, around that great product until they until they get the great product, rather than you know expanding the megapixels. We got to beat the other guys in the megapixel rate race. Well, if it's not great, we're not going to do it, and when it is great then we'll do it. So I really admire Apple for that and um, think that uh, people, who, uh, one guy from the Google Plus thing called them evil for 16 gig. I'm sure they've got a reason for it. And, you know, we can dispute all we want. And, you know, they keep their OS to be the smallest, the base OS of any uh, mobile phone manufacturer. Things are available in the cloud. If people need an entry point, that's an entry point. So, the, the model that I think about, like always giving them the benefit of the doubt that they're trying to do the right thing and that they're trying to create the best product possible and not inferring that they're greedy and these other things, 
really does serve well. Like their actions match that philosophy. And if I think of another philosophy, it, then it, the actions aren't explained by greed, or the actions aren't. It doesn't fully match what the the actions I actually see from Apple. Again, sorry uh, for the ramble, but I hope uh, what I'm saying makes sense. Ken, thanks for the feedback. But when it comes to the storage, the 16 gig versus offering 32 gig, the only reason that I can think of, the only legitimate reason I can think of why, or the only logical reason I can think of of why Apple is still offering 16 gig versus 32 gig for the entry level is profit. Because they know if they offer a 16 gig and then the next step up is 64 gig, they're getting a lot more people are going to choose that 64 gig than if they went with 32 and 64. Then a lot more people would choose 32 than 64. So again, when I look at it from a logic point of view, from the only answer that makes any sense is profit. Hey, Rob, it's Joe from New Jersey. Um, I have an iPhone 5S and I want to upgrade to the new 6S plus 64 gig. I'm a two-year contract with Verizon, and it expires in a couple of weeks. And I'm just trying to make sense of the whole buy the phone from Apple for $42 a month, I figured out, which includes Apple Care. Or would it make more sense to just get another two-year contract? The whole thing's very confusing. I'm not sure what's the best way to go about it. If you could possibly explain whether it makes more sense to pay for it monthly or sell my old iPhone and buy, you know, the three ninety nine new phone. All right, thank you. Show's great. And I love listening to it. Every week it comes out. Bye-bye. Hi, Joe. I guess the simplest way to look at this is what do you plan to do with your phone when you upgrade to the next one? If you have kids or a wife or a spouse or someone that you hand the phone down to, then it, it doesn't make all that much sense to do the plan where you do the extra Apple Care and you pay it out because that plan is all based around at in a year from now, you handing that phone back to them and then they get you another one. So when the next one comes out, you give back the phone you've currently got. The only way you get to keep it is if you go the full two years. So if you are actually looking to upgrade in a year from now and then pass the current phone down, uh, then you might want to stay away from it. Now, if your plan initially was, or what you normally do is sell your phone each year to then upgrade to the new one, then by all means, that phone, that, that whole service makes sense. So if your goal is to sell your older phone to get the new one each year, then yes, do Apple's installment plan. But if you normally pass the phone down to your kids or your spouse, or your significant other, whoever it is, someone in your family or friends, whoever it is that you're passing it down, then no, stay away from that. Buy the phone outright. And then a year from now, you can buy the next one outright. At least you have something to pass down to them when you do it that way. Hey, Rob, this is Jeff from Cincinnati, Ohio. I have a fast question I ask you. Um, I was a beta tester and I was on beta 9.0. Next thing I know, I got an update, and it updated me to 9.1. I was just curious about that, on um, what's going on. I guess that I passed the 9.0, so I went to the next level. Appreciate what you can help me with. Thank you. Bye. Hi, Jeff. Yep, that's how it happened for everyone that was beta tester, whether you were in the dev beta or the public beta. 
when it went from nine zero to or went to nine zero Goldmaster at the same time, Apple also released out well when they launched nine point zero to the public. They also launched the beta for nine point one. So you went straight from nine point zero Goldmaster or what was about to be Goldmaster to the nine point one uh, beta. So yep, and I would expect that you're going to see that for nine point two once. 9.1 goes Goldmaster. Dearest Rob, home for that today is iOS. I am calling you on behalf of my oldest Thomas, who just upgraded to the iPhone 6S Plus and is loving it. He thought Siri should be the one to call the show and rave about how good the phone is. So far, he says he noticed the phone is a tad quicker than the regular 6 and is loving the live focus option. The 3D touch is okay and may be more promising in the future. Furthermore, he asked me to thank you for such a great show and the great content. I, for one, would like to just take a second and say hi to myself by saying, Hey, Siri. Thanks again, Rob. Sincerely, Siri. What did the fox say? You will never know. The secret of the fox is an ancient mystery. What did the fox say? Ring, ding, 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 ding. What did the fox say? Wop, 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 wop. What did the fox say? What did the fox say? Thanks, Keith W., for that suggestion. And thanks again to Trunk Club for sponsoring this episode. Right now, their entire service is free. Even the shipping is free. You only pay for the clothes you keep. To take advantage, go right now to trunkclub.com slash TII. Again, that's trunkclub.com slash TII for a trunk filled with great-looking and great-fitting clothes that you are going to love wearing. And before we go today, which really isn't 100% true because there'll be three more longer voicemail messages at the end, but... Before we get to those final voicemail messages to end the show, I want to remind you to send in your feedback to the show, 206-666-6364, that's 206-MOON-DOG, or record your feedback and email it to the show at today at iOS at gmail.com. Feedback can be a question or comment per something someone said on this episode, or it can be a question or rant you have about something else, an app, a product review, good or bad, as long as it's iOS related, it is welcomed. I'm always looking for new artwork to feature that you created on an iOS device. Just put some TII branding on it and send it in. And of course, we're always looking for more music created on an iOS device to play on the show. This is your show and your feedback is greatly desired. And don't forget to check out our moderated Google Plus community by going to todayinios.com slash community. Thanks again to Harry's for sponsoring this episode. And please go to harrys.com now and save $5 off when you enter the code TII with your first purchase. That's harrys.com and enter the coupon code TII at checkout to save $5 and start shaving better today. And let's not forget about the TII app, which is free to you. Search for TII in the iTunes app store. It is the best way to consume the show and to get push notifications each time a new episode of TII is released. It is fully voiceover friendly, of course. Please go right now and download the TI app. And did I mention it is free? And that, folks, is going to do it for us today. Until the next time, I'm your host, Rob, from Today in iOS, reminding you to go Royals. This show is hosted on Libsyn.com and part of the Wizard Media Network. If you are looking for hosting, go to Libsyn.com, that's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com, for hosting for your podcast and for creation of your own smartphone app. The Today in iOS podcast can also be found on the free Stitcher radio app. Just search for TII.
Hi, Rob. This is Rob. It's been a while since I've called the show. Um, have a strange thing going on since I've upgraded to iOS 9. I added my wife, uh, changed her over to Apple. To uh, She's got a 6 Plus. And um, she doesn't have an Apple ID. She shares mine so that she could share my apps and everything. And I had no problem when we were on the, uh, you know, before 9, no issues or anything. And when we upgraded to uh, 9, for some reason, uh, I'm not sure why, um, I'm having a texting issue. I'm getting all her texts and she's getting all my texts too, and even new ones. So even if it's a new number, whether they're in our contact list or not, still getting them. So um, I thought it was just something where maybe... I, I think it's some kind of iCloud issue because um, on my phone, it asked me to, on her devices, her iPad, her iPhone, and uh, her iWatch, um, it asked me to key in the password for the iCloud, which was weird. I didn't have any problems when I, when I upgraded. So I did key in the password, and that's the only thing I had to do. That was the only issue. So I did put the fix on, but that didn't do anything, and it didn't really address that. So at 9.01, if anybody's heard of anything or knows maybe what's going on or has had that same issue, I would appreciate any help in this matter because certainly I don't want to be reading her text or having to read my text. And, um, even when I text her, it texts me back. The same thing with her. She texts me, it texts her back immediately on herself. So that also is happening. So that's really bizarre. But thanks again. Love the show and listening to it uh, for all these years. And I appreciate all the help. Thanks so much. Bye. Hi, Rob. Go into the settings app and then go to messages and then go to send and receive and then see what you have in there for phone numbers and for email addresses and make sure they are different on your device and her device. But again, go to Settings app, Messages, and then Send and Receive and see what you have in there as for email addresses and phone numbers. Hi, Rob. Joe from Connecticut, listening to your latest podcast. And I figured I'd call in uh, about this particular subject and see if anybody else has had any experience. HomeKit, the subject that's been widely ignored by Apple uh, during most events. And they created it in looking for support and help and seeing how much they're going to develop it. Uh, Looking forward to the Apple TV to see whether or not that will help it along. But using uh, manufacturers' uh, light switches with their app, which is uh, one of the first five HomeKit compatible, and have mixed results with it while I'm in my network at home with Wi-Fi on. Most functions work. Causing a scene to come on doesn't work so well. But when I'm outside of my network... Using cellular, uh, most of the time it fails over, and Siri just says, sorry, can't find any light switches or uh, can't do that particular function. And that the uh, information online is very spotty at best. Open a case at Apple that I've been uh, waiting to hear now five days back from the engineers with not even a call back from Apple. And when I get off uh, the phone, uh, leaving a message, I'm going to call Apple and say, where do we stand? There's very little support with Apple. And my thought is, why create the program? Why create the feature and tout it as a feature when they're not going to take it any further? If they ran into a problem and say it's not something that they can master and uh, 
have it work the way they that Apple wants things to work, then maybe they should remove the feature from the phone and say, sorry, didn't develop the way we wanted it to. But in the meantime, they need to support it. And uh, it took me four representatives at Apple to get someone that remotely speaks about HomeKit to understand the terminology. So just thought I'd throw that out there and see if anybody else has had any HomeKit experience. Um, I guess I'm an early adopter, but hey, it's still a feature that's no longer in beta. It's a feature that's touted by Apple. So thanks, Rob. Appreciate the show as always. Take care. Hi, Rob. This is Kim from Salem, Oregon. And I just wanted to say that I upgraded from an iPhone 5S to a 6S. And I absolutely love it. It's awesome. And the 3D touch is wonderful. Apple actually uh, thinks about accessibility when they're bringing out new products and new ways to interact with those products. But Android doesn't do that. <laughs> I mean, it can't even you can't even turn on the talkback feature by pressing the home button three times. I tried. It doesn't work. Anyway, um, the uh, haptic feedback on the 5S is really awesome, and I just love it. It's wonderful. <laughs> and I got the uh, Sprint iPhone Forever plan, so woohoo! Uh, other thing I wanted to say was to, I think it was Daryl who called on the last podcast and was having problem with voiceover. Uh, I used the public beta program that Apple put out, and I loved it. I had problems with voiceover. I'd provide feedback. They'd listen and fix it in the next update. It was great. And I had the same problem with the phone, um, not hanging up or voiceover, not coming back on or freezing or whatever that he did. I did the network settings reset, like you said, like I said last time, and it worked for my 5S at least. Um, I haven't noticed any problems with the 6S, probably because the new software and hardware and all that. I love your podcast, and I look forward every Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever to each new episode. So I hope you have a great rest of your day. Bye. Oh, one more thing. Daniel is hilarious. He is so funny. I look forward to whatever he calls in. It just makes me laugh every time. Anyway, um, like I said, I love your show and hope you have a great day. Bye. Hi, Rob. Kim from Salem, Oregon again. I just want to say one more thing in regards to kids, which really should be in the medical dictionary or like an iPhone dictionary or something like that. You should patent that, actually, because you're the first person that mentioned it. <laughs> My boyfriend, Josh, is suffering from post-iPhone delivery syndrome. I mean, sure, he has a 5S, which is a perfectly good phone, but he always wants to borrow my phone and use it and keeps remarking on the wonderful and much faster than his phone fingerprint scanner and 3D Touch, which is great. And I don't understand why that other guy had a problem with the fingerprint scanner. That makes no sense to me. But I digress. 
Josh just loves borrowing my phone whenever he can. And uh, I don't mind, of course, to cure post-iPhone delivery syndrome. I just let him borrow my phone and don't say anything. I just uh, let them borrow your phone. It'll help. Just make sure that uh, you get it back. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) Anyway, I hope you have an awesome day, and I'll uh, talk to you soon, Rob. Bye. Rob, Thomas from Malibu, long-time listener. I just wanted to call and tell you that you leave the last uh, 20 seconds of uh, the show. The outtakes are just tremendously funny, and I really think it's a it's a good way to end the show and the smile. So keep leaving them in there. Even if they're a mistake, it's a great series of mistakes and flubs and outtakes and bloopers, and, and we just everybody smiles. I smile when I hear them. Go, oh, yeah, I know how hard it is to record. So that's great. I love it. Thanks. Bye. This week's for... I gave Deep Trenches a plus two because once you look at some of the new photos with the 6S and 6S Plus, you realize there's some new... That allows that extra megapixels. Since the last episode, Marco Ament, the developer of Overcast, is doing something interesting. He is making Overcast fleet. And of course, we're always looking for more music related in the us... (laughs) I went and looked in the flutter. <laughs> flutter. Flutter. Flooper. How about folder? Yes, I looked in the folder. 